Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. In an era of online retail where everything is just a few clicks away, buying a car should be no different. That's why at Carvana, you can buy a car 100% online. We made it easy to browse, view, and buy from over 10,000 cars. You can even trade in your old car, all while binge-watching your favorite TV show. Afterwards, we'll deliver your car to you. Or you can pick it up from one of our car vending machines. Either way, your car comes with a seven-day return policy. So grab a seat, relax in your comfy pants, and enjoy the new way to buy a car at Carvana. I have pen fed, that's a fact. I have pen fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit penfed.org slash powercash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to Collider Movie Talk. On today's show, we've got another big topic up top today. Disney reportedly is not happy with how Fox has performed this year. Then after that, we are talking about the brand new trailer for Greta Gerwig's Little Women adaptation that, of course, stars Saoirse Ronan and Emma Watson, amongst many, many others. We're very excited to see in that film. And today, I have the pleasure of going through that lineup with Haley Fouch. And John Roca, Haley, I would ask how you are doing, but I'm doing great because we just had a wonderful chat with Radio Silence about Ready or Not, so I assume yes, you're feeling did. pretty good, too. Yeah, I'm right on that same level. It helps to know how I'm doing when we just spent, like, two hours together. Yep. Yeah. And uh, are you still on the good boys high, Roca? Yeah, I am. I'm glad you guys finally caught up. I talked to Radio Silence a week ago, so oh. thanks. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. So, Ooh. there you go. There you go. I, I approve of that jab right there. <laughs> I like it. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Yeah, this uh, first story today is a big one. Let's just jump right into it. A lot of points to hit right now. As reported by Variety, 20th Century Fox received its first quarter grades from Disney, during which Disney chief executive Bob Iger declared that the Fox studio performance was well below where it had been and well below where we hoped it would be when we made the acquisition. Apparently, Disney chief financial officer Christine McCarthy broke the news to investors that Disney's per share stock price and revenue projections were off and Disney's higher ups pinned much of the failure on Fox's film division. Oh my, I don't even know where to begin with this. Yeah. What what about just like the general idea of Disney blaming these uh these finance issues on the Fox film division in particular, especially right after we got reports and I'm just bringing up one example that Galaxy's Edge didn't open as big as they expected. So why are they specifically pointing a finger at Fox Film right now? Uh, it sounds to me like they this is classic business stuff. Once they take over something in order to mask the fact that they had the plans all along to go in there and put their own people in charge, they create these fake scenarios or fake narratives that this these films didn't perform, therefore we have to put our own people in to take over these departments. That's what it feels like to me. I mean, they just, Fox just got here, and it was movies like Dark Phoenix and these other films that weren't, like Stuber, these weren't going to be blowing up at the box office, so to pin the blame on the Fox film division to me seems like a Trojan horse a little bit that they're just trying to throw something in there but it's really hollow a very hollow claim because they have ulterior motives behind it i'm not really following that whatsoever 
paper as it's yeah. presented in the article because it flip-flops back and forth. At first, it's like, oh, well, all these Fox movies, they bombed at the box office. And later on in the piece, Variety points out that finished Fox films are having a tough time getting Disney support. So yeah. how could Disney ever expect one of those films to do well if it's getting like, you know, half of a marketing campaign? No, I mean, I, I, I agree to a certain extent with what you said about sort of Trojan horsing it. And mm. I... You know, I was spinning my little conspiracy theory mm. before we went on the air. But I do think there's something to the idea that if you don't, you know, if you don't provide that classic Disney marketing support, not that they could. They didn't have the timeline mm -hmm. to do their full rollout that we all know. Mm -hmm. um, but if you don't provide the version of that that you can, you can then say, well, you're failing so we're just going to make the movies that we make. And, and you're a new arm to make more of them. Another thing to add to that yeah. pile is that the full Fox marketing team isn't even there anymore. Yeah. Right. So you, you also are in a situation where you have a whole bunch of people promoting a movie that haven't been with the movie all along. This is what they call rigging the results. I mean, they, because they removed all the people from the Fox marketing team who were familiar with Dark Phoenix. Who, Yeah, maybe it wouldn't have translated some more, but at least you gave yourself a better opportunity to make money they replaced with people who didn't know the film that well didn't know how to market it and to be fair i want to make this analogy correct it's not their babies and so they're not going to put the extra effort into it because they didn't build it they didn't create it they didn't film it they didn't shepherd it along the way so they're just going to push it out there and hope it fails so they can push their narrative forward and say oh we need to replace all these people in charge other than emma watts obviously so that they can take over this area and then look like saviors of Fox. It's ridiculous. That it's is classic extremely business. upsetting. Yeah, and it's not contra it's this this is not conspiracy. This happens in business all the yeah. time with takeovers. All the time. I've been through it twice in my life as an employee. I've seen it. They come in, take over, they create narratives that you're not doing as well, the efficiency is bad, even though they knew that when they purchased it, and they don't give you enough time to turn it around and then blame you for it and then move people in. It happens. Hi. So given, <laughs> given what we have just been talking about right now and bringing New Mutants into the conversation, the little bit on the Variety article regarding New Mutants is the studio is unimpressed with New Mutants, an X-Men spinoff with a haunted house vibe and believes it has limited box office potential. Pair that comment with what we just discussed. So is this essentially putting the nail in the coffin for New Mutants? It's not going to get any support at all? I'm... I been on the train for a while now that I think it's probably going to streaming. I think that's the best play for it. And that I can't even be mad at. Like, if I was Disney, that's what I would do. There's mm -hmm. clearly people are kind of like a little kaput on this X-Men franchise in general. This yeah. film has been put through the ringer. Expectations from audiences is probably pretty low on it. There's not going to be like this big heat buzz going into the opening weekend. So I, business-wise, I totally get it. I would absolutely put that on streaming. It doesn't make sense to you know drown it in money when you know that it's just not it's it's a dead franchise essentially you know it's it's a remnant of something that's gone all right a follow-up yeah. for for that comes from the live chat right now because uh seo toy story review is asking if they don't put it out it's a total loss isn't a flop better uh, not necessarily because you lose all the marketing money you put yeah. into it, then you lose, uh, w you know, paying to put it out in certain uh, certain media. Certain, then you have to create like a Blu-ray for it and a DVD, like all that stuff. There's all kinds of expenses that are in the back end once you release a movie officially, right? Uh, and if you just eat the cost and move on and maybe revisit the property down the road, great. But what's confusing to me here is 
why did were there news reports a few weeks ago that they went back and spent the money mm-hmm. to and and they're going to bring back the actors to do some reshoots? Remember the I forget who it was that said like yeah that's that's the difference between Fox and Marvel. Marvel got it done quick to bring back all the people for the reshoots. You're like why are we doing this if you're not happy with it? It's been next to impossible to follow all those <laughs> reshoot true. rumors. So I don't know what was true anymore. Yeah. But given this report and the fact that Variety is a trusted source. I- I'm looking at it as it's a done deal. All the hope I've had for New Mutants all along is completely out the window. I could see it getting a limited theatrical to, I don't know. But if you're putting it on streaming, I'm not... Yeah. Like, you can do limited with VOD, where you're purchasing the film. A lot of places do that at the same time. Yeah. But I don't know about limited and streaming. Everyone would just stream it. I guess that is a possible path. It's just... Like, maybe this is just me looking at, you know, big Disney and and none of the smaller films within it, if there are any smaller films at this point. Mm. But I've just never seen them go with that kind of release platform before. No, I haven't either. It's like the odds of them doing it feel so slim to me. I think you're right. I think I was being optimistic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like that, Yeah, it feels risky to ask this question, but I'm going to right now. Bruce Bruce Crawford wants to know, would you rather see New Mutants or The Hunt released in theaters? (laughs) The Hunt. Absolutely. That's uh, just more my type of movie anyway. Okay. Yeah, I guess The Hunt, because I th- uh, I'm not a fan of, of censorships. I'm a fan of the free market and capital capitalism. And you put something out, if no one goes to it, that's a free market. It wasn't uh, for their taste, and it failed on its own. Uh, something like New Mutants, I think, is just... Uh, whipping a dead horse and i don't like to see that in a theater also i I don't you know not to retread yesterday's conversation too much but like the hunt is a very timely film that i'm very hungry to see Mm. and i want to see it now because it relates Mm -hmm. to now it's it's of now and i think that's when it will have the most impact as a viewer and i i understand that maybe we'll see it later and it'll still probably be pretty good look i believe in lindelof i think it's gonna be good Um, (laughs) it's a good cast that's for sure it's a great cast Mm. and and i got to see the first episode of watchmen which is gonna be another whole ass deal is that tca you had to say that didn't you kill us on the set (laughs) (laughs) i just mean that's a very also timely political show i can't say anything about it but you can read the interviews out of tca and know that it's gonna cool that's gonna be a scene too so having seen that i really really am curious about the hunt and you know like there was a report today that universal actually was going to pull it before the tweets Mm. from trump Mm. so that's an interesting spin on things that we didn't get to talk about yesterday um that it's still the same scenario though to me which is give me this movie i want it and i want it in the time when it was meant to Mm -hmm. be received by the audience you know and it's mind-blowing like saying they were going to pull it before the tweets like well how do you read the script to be there yeah. for the dailies, see the cuts, all this kind of jazz, because they screen it all for executives. I know we're going to talk about Jojo Rabbit here in a second, but they screen it for executives. And so you look at that and you go, then finally now at the end, you go, well, you know what? We were going to pull it anyway. And it you just know, seems you're, you're, PR. Like the addition I would say to that is mm. it's, they say that it's because of the recent shootings, but that's not a new phenomenon. Yeah, like, right. That was obviously had, happening when the film was made. It's our 251st shooting in this country. Awesome. I'm so, just saying. No, no, I didn't know to, that number. To, yeah, it is. To anything um, with four or more 
is considering a 250 is a mass shooting. So you're nitpicking by saying this yeah. is the reason we didn't put it's this curious. out. It's curious. It's a curious scenario. Mm. And the, I, I guess I'm eager to talk about it because we are going to talk about Jojo Rabbit. And oh, that, yeah, yeah. We do have to bring that into this conversation. The importance of films that make people uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I support them and I want them in theaters. Do you remember the 70s people? Right. <laughs> so the Jojo Rabbit portion of this Disney Fox conversation is that... You know, Fox Searchlight is still up and running, and Jojo Rabbit is a very interesting, bold movie that we're going to get to see really soon. It's debuting at TIFF this year. But in Variety's report, they do say that a Disney executive got the opportunity to see the movie because they are screening the movie over there right now. And this executive grew audibly uncomfortable, worrying aloud that the material would alienate Disney fans. His unease may have been over the film's cutting edge satire, but was also an expression of the culture clash taking place as the as the two studios embark on their new union Wow, that is, uh, I I don't know, like not sibling rivalry, but like (laughs) something where you're forced to live together and it's just not going to happen. So it sounds like what, like the the bigger, the bigger one of the two is just going to steamroll the other eventually. Well, I mean, this is so upsetting. And I've always like, I've always been cool with what Disney does because I love many of their films. I haven't been blown away by a lot of 2019's releases. I wasn't a fan of Lion King. I was not a fan of Aladdin. But in general, I enjoy their their very commercial, broad appeal films. Uh, they appeal to me as well. Mm-hmm. However, that is only enjoyable when it is part of the spectrum of films that yep. we're getting in yeah. theaters. When that becomes, or even on VOD, whatever, when that becomes like, what is it? I don't know how much it's going to be, but when they finally work out their full Fox lineup and their Disney lineup. I was just updating our Disney release dates article. Like that's so much of the release calendar that if they if they pursue this line is just going to be the same type of film. It is much less appealing in that number. Yeah. So so alarming to me. If yeah. if JoJo, I mean I do wonder what would happen, though, because Jojo Rabbit, and they say this in the Variety article, too, it is also likely to be on the awards circuit this year. So what if we have Disney executives who are concerned about alienating existing Disney fans, but then we also have this Fox Searchlight movie that winds up with Oscar nominations? Then what does Disney do? Well, this is something I was going to bring up, is that Fox Searchlight is a killer at awards circuits. Mm. They are always bringing A-game talent to awards. They're always in the conversation. Why is Disney not interested in awards? Because that's one of yeah. like the top studios to look to and go, something from Fox Searchlight will end up on the awards circuit this year. It's almost a guarantee. And I also think that's, I think that report is so dangerous when you hear that because you're like, well, if Disney is responsible for 60% of the stuff that we have coming out now, which is a guesstimation of what they're saying, well, if we're going to start, what it, it, this report kind of leads into this idea that a lot of uh, film, film goers get wor- worried about is the Disney-fying of these films or these subjects. And you start to go like, well, we can't all just be touchy-feely. There's really some tough underbelly stuff that we have to explore and find out about the entire 70s decade of films, great films that the film industry is built on uh, and filmmakers are inspired to, be, to go make films because of was about exploring the underbelly of our institutions. And we start eliminating that because an executive is uncomfortable in a screening, then we are losing one of the most important parts of film, which is to show us and hold a mirror up to our society and show us some of the uncomfortable truths. If it becomes uh, an issue to start doing that with this medium, I think this medium 
starts to lose a lot of its power from the foundation up. And that's scary. Now to read two more points from this article <laughs> that make it even worse. So Fox Vice Chairman Emma Watts's priorities will be Avatar and delivering Steven Spielberg's reboot of West Side Story. The piece also says Disney is prioritizing making more broadly commercial projects, which include ongoing work on sequels to James Cameron's Avatar and starry safe bets like the on-screen reunion of Matt Damon and Ben Affleck in the drama The Last Duel. Uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck uh, reunion sounds great to me. You know what sounds like the worst idea ever? A starry safe bet. Yeah. I don't think any any kind of descriptor will make me cross a movie off a list any quicker. I don't want to see safe movies. Well, and you're talking about the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon one, yes. right? What This is confusing to me. Jojo Rabbit makes you uncomfortable, but the premise yeah. of this film about a guy raping his friend's wife while he's at war safe doesn't bet. make you uncomfortable? What are we talking I know, really? about? It's pretty like a, weird, a weird time to use that <laughs> yeah. phrase there. Certainly. And, you know, that is the choice of the writer of the article, not necessarily how Disney themselves are describing well, I, that. I project. also do think that the safe bet was strictly like, well, if it's got Matt Damon yeah, and it's totally. got Ben Affleck, that's a right. safe bet for a moneymaker. It's, it's unfortunate which is, phrasing, which is upsetting, though. Which is also upsetting in a way that we haven't even discussed. If they are looking at people like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon as safe bets, does yeah. that mean they are going to close the door to new upcoming folks, well, whether right. it's filmmakers or, or people in front of the camera, which they've actually proven not to be true with how they're casting some of these really big budget uh, live action mm-hmm. reimaginings. So I guess there is a little bit of an encouraging spot there. Some of the saddest things in that article, though, to me, of many sad things, <laughs> were, were some of the projects that were lost, specifically yes. for me, Lumberjanes, which is a, a comic series that I absolutely adore and have been waiting so long to see on screen. And now apparently that's over. Mm. And I, you know, I hope Noel Stevenson will take that and shop it somewhere else. But the unfortunate thing is that there aren't a lot of other places to shop that stuff right now. I mean, I've, I've always been scared by this deal, and I think that as we see how it falls out and is continuing to change things, that it just gets scarier and scarier. It's even scarier that we're seeing such immediate results yeah. from it, or a, an immediate negative response from this merger happening, because, like, what was the, the merger complete in in March of this year, this is so just think about the repercussions two or three years from now when the entire landscape and release calendar has changed. Yeah. A little doom and gloom on movie talk. I don't like it. That's why I'm going to tell you about some really exciting content on Collider Video. Check out this promo for Collider Heroes. Hi, I'm Coy Jandro, host of Collider Heroes, and I'm here to tell you we've got 20-minute episodes coming at you on Collider Video, on the YouTube, as you've always loved it. Plus, now we've got hour-long podcasts dropping every Thursday, so make sure to subscribe to the podcast because it's going to get even more sweaty on the podcast. Plus, every week we're going to try to get some very special guest interviews, all of the people that help shape these movies and TV shows you love. So, video, podcast, interviews all coming at you. Be sure to subscribe. Thanks so much, guys. Stay sweaty. We also have to tell you about our really cool upcoming episode of The Witching Hour, and I'm going to let my co-host Haley Fouch take that one. Yeah, come see us up in Washington this weekend. We are doing our first live podcast at the North Bend Film Festival with filmmaker Jennifer Reeder, who has Knives and Skin playing there. Uh, That film's been making the festival rounds and kind of picking up some buzz and Mostly, I'm just excited to do a live podcast with my lady Perry here. I can't wait. And it's such a cool film festival. It's it's uh, it's only the second year. I was there for the first year last year, and it, it's just a, a really exciting collection of artists and cinema that kind of... It, it takes place in the 
town where Twin Peaks was filmed, and that's kind of uh. the vibe of art that they're trying to embrace there. Well, we're going to come back from the North Bend Film Festival with that audio, so even if you can't be there in the audience, keep an eye on the factory feed because we're going to share all that good stuff from North Bend real soon with everybody. All right, story number two. We have very little time to cover it, but that first topic was worth it. All right, Sony Pictures released the first trailer for Little Women, Greta Gerwig's adaptation of the iconic novel that charts the lives of four sisters from childhood to adulthood. This new version, of course, stars Emma Watson, Sir Sharon, and Florence Pugh, Eliza Scanlon, and Timothy Chalamet, and then some others, too. Briefly, guys, what'd you guys think of uh, the Little Women trailer? Did you like it? Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I will say so I, enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah, here's what I'll say: as the only male on this panel, I will say it's obviously not meant for me. But I will say this: I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was, if you're going to tell this old story that's been uh, already filmed a number of times yeah. in the history of film, you got to find a new approach to it. And kudos to Greta Gerwig. This looks like a vibrant, fun, interesting film with obviously some some uh, 2019 themes and approaches to performances and acting and styles. And all of that. So I liked it and I enjoyed it. And, uh, and I, I, damn, if I get a screening, I guess, I, I guess I'll go. I, I had no interest in it. Then I saw the trailer. I'm like, this actually might be fun. I was pleasantly surprised by the trailer because, yeah. you know, I, like I'm not that into period pieces. Yeah. And also, I only read Little Women in high school because I was a bad reader when I was younger. <laughs> um, but I watched a trailer like this and it had a really unique energy yeah. and, and vibe to it that I wasn't quite expecting. It, it just made me look at it and think that yes i know this has been adapted before and it's been read by many out there many a times but this looks like it's got at least a fresh feel i obviously don't know if she's gonna stick beat to beat to whatever the uh because I, I haven't read it it's <laughs> <laughs> so embarrassing i should listen to the audiobook um oh, but God. i don't know if it sticks exactly to the source material but this feels like it has a unique vibe to it specific to greta gerwig as a director and i'm excited to see that yeah i i have period piece blindness i kind of pass out when i try to watch them and i it looks nice it, the cast is great. I'm excited to see what Greta and Sersha do together again because that was a really compelling performance mm. that they, they drew out in Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. I always love to see Timmy C doing his thing, lighting up the Twitters with all the... Uh, people are passionate out there, man. <laughs> passionate about Timmy C and passionate about little women in a way that I, I didn't know. know was quite as it was, fervent. It was really all over the place mm. today. Yeah. Uh, it looks it looks good. It's just it's hard for me to get enthusiastic because I pass out Unders- when I watch them. <laughs> hey, we we all have our preferences, yeah, understandable. Exactly. And who knows? That's the exciting thing about a movie like this is maybe you see it and maybe it uh, turns you on to this style of movie like you've never experienced yeah, before. Yeah, I would love if this ended up on my top ten list, you know? Mm. I love surprises. Well, if I can stay awake. We'll get a sense of whether or not that'll happen December 25th when this one hits theaters. All right, let's get to some live chat right now. How about this one from King and Commoner? What do you think of the Dolomite trailer? Is Eddie Murphy still mm. worth seeing a movie for? I actually didn't get the chance to watch it. Did either of you? Yeah, I did. I, I, I tweeted about it yesterday. I think it looks great. Looks like so much fun. Great cast all around. Wesley Snipes. He's playing the, uh, I mean, uh, Eddie's playing the Rudy Ray Moore. This is a real story. This is a true story. This is a black exploitation film that was shot there and his story about how he got there. And it feels like an underdog story, too, about a guy trying to make his dreams come true late in life. And so, 
there's so much around that that uh, it's got great humor, but it's also got nice heart to it. And you got a great cast, so I hope it works out. Eddie needs a hit. Eddie needs a bit. Eddie needs a hit. And, and I would love this to be kind of giving us a taste for coming to America too, coming soon as well. All right, just in case this isn't his next hit, yeah, we have a comment from the live chat. Just like wait for it. I just want your initial reactions. I'm not going to ask you a question, anything. I'm just going to say it and look at you. Ready for it? Josh Quick says Eddie Murphy should be Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. That's so compelling. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't picture it, but I would love to hear the pitch. I just want to see Wolverine laughing at Professor yeah. X like Eddie does. <laughs> All right. Here's one last question, and we'll close it out with this one. Uh, Kozak12517 is asking, what are you most looking forward to at TIFF this year? We were actually going over some of the uh, the genre stuff today, and uh, what was some of the ones we were talking about? Synchronic, Synchronic. right? That was a big yeah. one. Uh, very excited to see that one. We had the filmmakers behind The Endless yeah. on A Witching Hour recently, and excited to see what else they bring. Excuse you. That was not a witching hour. That was just an interview that inspired the witching hour. <gasps> we owe them the witching hour. Benson and wow. Marquez stands here. Having no, we don't a moment the right hour. now. <laughs> you know what I mean. Oh, wow. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah. I can't. That makes that feel so long ago. I, I know, can't right? handle it. I, I can't picture a world anymore where witching hour doesn't exist. Oh, I love that. Um, but yeah, that one my looks tiff so cool. list here. So I was telling Haley earlier, mm. I was coming up with my tiff must see list. And I mean, it's down <laughs> to the floor. I, it's something like 40, 40 movies deep right now, which is hugely problematic. But I have obviously isolated Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Knives Out, Ford v Ferrari, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Oh, that's that's only five. Guns Akimbo. I have to point that one out. Have any of you ever seen Deathgasm? Have you ever seen Deathgasm? You should watch it. It's, it's a so lot of much fun. fun. Yeah, it's it just wild. There's nothing like it out there. Oh my god, what else? I, I don't want to go through this whole list, but like mm. how how to how to build a girl, hustlers, the vast of night. There's so much stuff at TIFF. I just like my brain is exploding with the possibilities and how I am gonna possibly cram it all into one week in Toronto. Mm. I hope you can sense screeners. I'm already <laughs> just thinking about it. Well, whatever I miss on the midnight lineup, hopefully they'll put on the Fantastic Fest lineup. Fingers crossed. What I is your kinda... most anticipated so far for Fantastic Fest? Oh, gosh. I, I mean, Jojo Rabbit's hard to not yeah. be hyped about. There's... And it's like, I, it's not confirmed, but I feel confident that Sychronic will be there because mm. those guys love Fantastic Fest and Fantastic Fest loves them. But let's not count our eggs before they're okay, hatched. Okay. But I'm just, I'm putting that into the universe. Make it happen. I want to see that movie there. I'm trying to think what else really stood out to me in that lineup because they're always the joy of Fantastic Fest is a lot of it is going not knowing what anything is and then being like, what did I just watch? This is my new favorite movie. Yeah, that's part of the reason why like, we when we go to TIFF, we stay for a really long time. And I yeah. feel like it's super busy the first five days of the trip. But then the last three days, it's when you can catch up on, you know, like last year, Green Book screened really early and everyone was, you know, praising it. And it wasn't on my radar at all. And that's the opportunity to then circle back and catch those ones that, you know, have buzz that spark in the middle of the festival and also just to use those time slots to 
say, well, I've got nothing to do at two o'clock on Thursday. What's playing then? I'm just going to see whatever's there. That's one of the most exciting things to me. I agree. I mean, there are some that are like, of course, I'm going to see the Netflix films. And of course, I'm excited to see In the Tall Grass. It's another Stephen <gasps> King adaptation. Why would I I'm not so be? so curious about that one. Yes, of course, I'm excited to see Brad Anderson return with Fractured. That's overdue. What's it going to be like? Um, but it's the ones that I don't know about yet that I'm most excited to come back and talk about. Can mm-hmm. I put you on the spot right now, Roka? <laughs> yeah, Can sure. we sell you on any single title just now? <laughs> I just phased out. You guys were talking about all the things you're going <laughs> to do. You, did. you know what? I, you know what I'll be doing? I'll be hosting movie talk. That's what I'll yes, be. That's you what will. I'm looking forward to. Uh, but no, if I could have choose anything you mentioned, Joker movie would be number one. That's my number oh, yeah. one thing that I'm looking forward to. So to serious. See. That yeah. should be another conversation starter. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Try shuttering that one. No way. <laughs> well, well, looking forward to having that conversation already. We are going to have so much content coming your way from TIFF, Fantastic Fest, and so much more this fall. Haley Roca, thank you guys so much for being thank here you. today. We have Adam in the booth, as always, that in the live chat. To everybody out there, thank you for watching this edition of Collider Movie Talk. Do not forget to like and share it before you leave, and then pencil it in. Tomorrow, 3 p.m. PT Live, we're going to have a new episode for you. Check it out. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.